Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. You who were once afar off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And that's for us, right? You who were once afar off, you were separated. You, were, you had no relation with God. You had no hope. So you who were once afar off have been brought near. What brought you and me near? The blood of Christ. That's important to note, right? You weren't brought near by being good. You weren't brought near by going to church. You weren't brought near by reading your Bible and doing good deeds. You were brought near by the blood of Christ. And don't ever forget that. It's what God did for me. And it's what God did for you. In case you didn't know, you can't get to heaven on your own. It's impossible. Really, stop trying. Pastor Bill will explain today that there's no amount of good deeds and money given and trying to be good that will work. It's all Jesus. He's the only way you can have hope for the future. God sent his son to earth so that he could die for all the sins we've committed. He stepped in for you and you can accept him as your savior. That brings you near to God, establishing a relationship that's otherwise impossible. Now here's Pastor Bill in the book of Ephesians chapter two for today's edition of A Transforming Word. Ephesians chapter two and brief little recap or just to connect the dots. Last week we covered uh, chapter two verses one through 10. And I told you guys the first three chapters of the book of Ephesians is it's really all about what God has done for us. Three chapters of God just sharing. He chose us. He picked us. He elected us. He he died for us. I mean, all these things that he's done for us. And then when we come to chapter four, chapters four, five and six are going to speak to us about how we should live in response to all that he's done for us. And so last week, the last verse that we covered was verse 10. I like to pick up there because it says, therefore, in verse 11, and that's always a connection. So look at verse 10. It says that after, you know, he was telling us last week about all the things, again, that God has done for us, how he raised us up together, how he, you know, set, he, he delivered us from Satan and, you know, all these different things. And then in verse 10, he says, for we are his workmanship. We're Christ's work of art. We're his poem created in Christ Jesus for the purpose of good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And then when you come to verse 11, it says, therefore. So because we're Christ's workmanship, because we're, according to verses 8 and 9, we've been saved by grace through faith, not of ourselves, at least anyone to boast. Because we're God's work of art created in Christ Jesus for good works. He says, therefore, remember, he says, I want you to remember. Now, now as a result of all that I've done for you, I want you to remember what you once were. And so what he's going to tap into here, there was, there was strong racial divides in Paul's day. Back then, the racial divide was between Jew and Gentile. And I want to expound upon that just a little bit. But let me read verse 11. Therefore, remember that you want Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands. This is what all that means. When he says, therefore, remember that you once Gentiles in the flesh, that you were not Jews. The, the, the way that they knew a, a Gentile, uh, Gentile men didn't get circumcised. I hope we all can understand that the, the circumcision was a sign for Jewish men. Uh, they were circumcised on the eighth day. That was a sign of the covenant between the Jews and their God, according to the old covenant. And so when they said Gentiles in the flesh who are called the uncircumcision, because you're uncircumcised because you're Gentiles, and that's not how you roll, by what is called the circumcision by the Jews made in the flesh by hand. Now, let me come off of that for just a minute and explain. In Jesus' day, 
you know, the, the whole Old Testament or Old Covenant was God had primarily established his relationship with the Jewish people. It had been prophesied throughout the Old Testament, Old Covenant, that that it would the gospel would extend to Gentiles. And throughout the Old Testament, there were Gentiles that did get saved. But primarily, God first reached out to the Jews. Right. They were God's chosen people. And so this is one of the things we learn through God's relationship with the Jews. The Jews as a whole, did they receive Christ? No, they, they primarily rejected him. Even for you guys that are doing the Bible reading, you know, it's kind of rough in some sections because you're reading and they just reject them and reject them and reject them and reject them. And God's like, you guys, if you don't cut it out, I'm going to discipline you. And then he'll discipline them and then they'll repent and then they go right back to worshiping idols. And it's like, that's the whole, you read the Old Testament, you look at Old Testament history and it's a history of a people that had an opportunity to know God in an intimate way that basically said, God, we don't want you. We don't want, we, they had a theocracy. Right. They were a God rule government. They said, God, we don't like this. Give us a king like everybody else. And they got a king. They got Saul, sucker Saul. And then it just went on downhill from there. You know, and they 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 didn't want God. And so as we come to the New Testament, the gospel was first presented to the Jews. But then it went beyond that to the Gentiles. Here was the problem. If you're if you were a Jew back then, you've been raised your whole life to believe that you were you are the stuff, religiously speaking. I mean, you keep all the rules. You eat the right foods. You don't eat the wrong foods. You wear the right clothes. You wash the right way. I mean, if you're a Jew, you keep a lot of rules. And what happens to people that keep a lot of extra rules many times is that you don't appreciate those that aren't under, you know, if, if you if you have to wear this outfit and you have to go so on these days, you have to observe all these things just to maintain, you know, your walk with the Lord. When you see somebody else, it's Sabbath day and they just going to walk around. They're cooking bacon on the Sabbath day. We couldn't, we had to cook yesterday. You know, I mean, it's, 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 a uh, it's, it's, a, it's offensive. And so the Jews look down on the Gentiles. The Jews would pray, and this is very offensive. So women, forgive me up, up front. The Jewish men would pray this prayer that they would thank God that they were not three things. They would thank God that they were not a woman. They would thank God that they were not a dog. And they would thank God that they were not a Gentile. They said that Gentiles were only good for stoking up the flames of hell. So imagine if you were a Jew, how you treated Gentiles, right? And then we're all Gentiles. So how would we feel towards them? Because they've been treating us like this our whole life. They treat us like dirt. They don't want to walk on the same. If you're a Jew and you're walking down the street and you see a Gentile, you go ahead and step aside. Like, please, you guys, don't, don't get close. You don't want to touch them. You wouldn't eat at the same places. And so a lot of times when people treat you bad, what do you do back? Treat them back bad. So it's, it's kind of like, I don't like you because you don't like me. You know, now take that. You know, that, that's human nature. That's what we do. And so that was the climate of the world. Then Jesus comes and he saves Jews and he extends the gospel to Gentiles. And you got Gentile believers coming from this city getting saved. And they got Christians over here that got saved out of Judaism. They get saved, but they don't know how to come together and act right. Your whole life, you guys have been opposed to one another. And so... That, that becomes an issue. And so there are several New Testament books written trying to correct this issue between Jew and Gentile. I find it interesting that in this section here, Paul's going to deal with it. Well, in our world right now, is it? do you guys sense the religious steaminess of our day that there's all kind of conflict and, and, and sides and things? And I think now with social media and certain news people, that stuff can really get stirred up. So then we have to be extra careful as the church of God. That we're not receiving our cues from the world. Amen? Amen. That we have God's heart towards these things. And so what we're going to hear in this chapter is God's heart. 
And I hope that y'all are listening. I hope that anybody sitting here that has any bit of racism in you, if you got a people group you don't like, and by people group, I mean a race of people. If you were raised in a house that talked about those people, I hope that Christ will wash that out of your mouth, your heart, your mind, because that's not God's heart. And um, I just will say that right up front. You know, God's heart is, you know, if you're born again in the spirit of God, you're my brother or my sister if you're a female. So, you know, that's that's what God has done. So let's look at it now. Verse 11 again. He said, therefore, remember that you once Gentiles in the flesh, you guys were uncircumcised and you were called the uncircumcision. And I want you to know that was kind of a racial slur. If you guys remember that, that wasn't a nice word when you call some you uncircumcised. If you guys remember when David was about to fight Goliath, you know, Goliath was like, man, you send a little, you know, come at me with a, with a, with a dog with some sticks as David was a little kid. And what did David say? You uncircumcised Philistine. Them was fighting words. <laughs> David was like, you know, he, he just got in your chest, but he said it with his chest too. So David, you know, when he said you uncircumcised, you dirty dog, like, you know, mm, and, and he killed him. So, but that's, that's the tone here. So you were called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision by Jews, uh, made in the flesh by hands. Verse 12, that at that time, this is the condition of these Gentiles before they got saved. And I want you to know each thing. At that time, number one, you were without Christ. Number two, you were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. Number three, you were strangers from the covenants of promise. And number four, you having no hope and without God. That was a condition of the Jew and the Gentile. But in particular here, speaking of the Gentile, they were, with, they were without hope and without God. And so God said, this is what you were. You were without Christ. You didn't know the Lord. You were, you were not born again. You were not saved. You were not forgiven. You were aliens. The alien is a foreigner to the commonwealth of Israel, to some of the things that God had made available to the Jews. You were, you were alien to that. You were strangers from the covenants of promise. There were things that God had made. There were promises to the Jews that was through covenant. You were out of covenant. You didn't have any of those promises. And worst of all, it says having no hope and without God in this world. You had no hope because without Christ, you don't have any hope at all. Right. Without Christ, there's nothing to look forward to. You know, someone that doesn't know God, this is the best. Whatever they're experiencing in life right now is the best it could ever be. There is no hope beyond this world for those that don't know Christ. It's those of us that know Christ that have a great hope. Amen. For you and I that know the Lord, it might be good right now, but we know it's just going to get better. Right. It's, it's, we have a hope that's beyond this world, that's out of this world. And so you can have a believer on their deathbed dying. They have a hope. Right. They're, they're, they know that this is not it doesn't end for you and me at death. Death is how we transition into the, the next realm to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Those are all realities that own, they're only true for the Christian, for the believer. Right. And so but before Christ, having no hope and without God in this world. So in this world, with all the drama and troubles of this world, without God. And some of you guys remember when you were in this world without hope and without God. And you were trying to navigate the difficulties of life and the challenges of this without God, without the, the, the assistance of the Lord. And, and it was difficult. And we turned to alcohol and we turned to vices and we turned to many different things and they didn't help, did they? Yeah. It left us worse. And so you know, many of us, by the grace of God, have found ourselves today in a relationship with the Lord where now we have hope. We're no longer in this world without God. God said, I did that for you guys. And Paul's reminding them here that this is what God did for you, because this is what you were. You were aliens. You were separated. No promises, no hope. But God did this for you. Look at verse 13. It says, but now. Right. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once afar off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And that's for us. Right. 
You who are once afar off, you were separated. You, were, you had no relationship with God. You had no hope. It says, you who were once afar off have been brought near. What brought you and me near? The blood of Christ. That's important to note, right? You weren't brought near by being good. You weren't brought near by going to church. You weren't brought near by reading your Bible and doing good deeds. You were brought near by the blood of Christ. And don't ever forget that. It's what God did for me. And it's what God did for you that has brought us near. And there should be a humility about that. That's why when you think about believers, because he's going to say in just a moment, Jew and Gentile got saved the same way by the blood of Christ. It's his blood. When you think of blood, that's, that was pain involved. Right. Most people, if you're bleeding, you know, kids bleed. Some kids don't cry until they see blood. You're like, ah, you know, you, they see the skin, they skin their knee and they get up and see it's red. And then they start crying. Blood means something went wrong. This is not supposed to be coming out of me. You know, so it's the blood of Christ, his pain, his suffering, what he went through. So what is how do we take that? That means I don't get to boast. I don't get to be proud. I don't get to be I don't, I don't get to put turn my nose up to someone that doesn't know yet. I've, I've been blessed. Of what God has done for me is the blood of Christ. I've been brought near by his blood. Now, now, maybe after I've been brought near, maybe now I've been transformed by the blood of Christ. The spirit of God lives in me. Now I'm in the word. Now I'm exercising spiritual gifts. Now I'm serving. But that's not why. That's not why I've been brought near. That's just important for us to remember. I think one of the ugliest kinds of pride is spiritual pride. Um, when people who've been graced and God has shown great mercy to begin to feel like somehow they earned it. That's always wrong. It's always, it's always going to taste bad and it's never going to be a good witness to other people. Um, if you're a Christian and you turn your nose up on your family that's not saved and if they get the, 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 the they get the, the aroma off of you that you're better than them and you're hot, it's, it's, that, that's not attractive. They're not going to say, well, I want to be, I want to be like you one day. Where, where can I go learn how to be a snob? You know, that nobody wants to know how to do that, you know? And so, you should, we should be gracious in how we carry it. You know, something great has been done for us. We've received just great mercy from God. If you share it that way, it gives great hope to those that you're speaking to. It's for everybody. Amen. And so, again, he says um, we've been brought near by the blood of Christ. Verse 14, for he himself is our peace who has made both one. And I'm going to come back to that. And it's broken down the middle wall of separation. For first of all, it says he himself is our peace. We not only have, you know, we have the peace of God. We have peace with God. God says, I am your peace. I brought peace. I, I made, I've reconciled you to God. You were separated. There was, there was, there was, um, there was animosity between you and God because you're sinned, right? What is Isaiah 59, one and two? It says, God's hand is not short that it cannot say, nor is his ear deaf that he cannot hear, but it's your sins that are separated between you and your God so that he will not hear you. He won't listen. He won't hear. Sins have separated. Now, because our sins have been washed away in the blood of Christ, we brought near. We have access. We have relationship. And so now we have peace, the peace of God. We have, we're, we're at peace with God. And I want you to think about this, right? Because everybody here is, is still imperfect. Amen? Amen? Am I talking to some imperfect people? I, 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 I'm, I'm hoping it's not just me. We're still imperfect. We're still flawed. But we, we get to maintain peace with God. How, how does that happen? How does that work? How do I get to stay at peace with God? You know why? Because Jesus didn't just die for you and, and that's it. He, see, he lives to make intercession for you. Like he, God is, Jesus' job is, he, I'm going to keep you right with the Lord. You know, Philippians 1.6, he who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. God said, if, I, if I've begun the work in you, we're gonna, it's going to come to pass. You know, you might be a hard work. You might, some of y'all are difficult work and God's got to keep knocking down your construction site and starting over, but he's going to get done what he began. Amen. That's my hope sometimes when I see people that I know God began 
and I see them struggling or I see them, you know, doing the wrong things, you know, sometimes you stop looking at them and just say, God, you said, if, if I can look at any point and say you began a good work, then I'm like, God, you're, you're going to bring it to pass, whatever it's going to take. You know, I believe you'll bring it to pass in their life. And so he says again that verse 14, but he himself is our peace who has made both one. This is the idea. God, when he says I made both one, I've made Jew and Gentile one. We're one now. There's no separation now. There's not there's it's been said that, that at the foot of the cross, there's there's great equality. Everyone at the foot of the cross needs the same thing. Amen. Everybody needs forgiveness. Everybody gets to heaven the same way. There's no there's no special grouping. You know, you can't get a group on, you know, special rate. Everybody gets in the same way. It's the blood of Christ, the same sacrifice made available to each person. So he says, I've made both one. And so God takes the most divided groups of his era and says, not nah, in me. You guys are one. There's unity. You, know, you guys are family. You guys are going to spend eternity in heaven together. And so. I would encourage us as believers, sometimes like what was happening in their day, sometimes people could carry over into their Christianity that their secular separations. Maybe as a non-believer, there was separation from that group and this, this, these people. Maybe your parents were racist. Maybe your parents would say negative things on the television about certain groups. Shame on them. And if you're a parent today, shame on you if you're doing that. You better not be. Because maybe those things shape you and make you think a certain way. But God says now in Christ, you got to see different. Right. You can't, you know, I hate to hear people say, I don't see color. You know why? That's a lie. I see color. Some of y'all are blacker than other people. Some we got white, brown, black. I think it's inappropriate to say I don't see color because that it's almost like saying like, like if I did, then I would have a problem. But since I don't see color now, everybody can be the same. The way it's supposed to be is I believe that we we're make we're uniquely made in the image of God. And so if somebody's Mexican, I, I think they should embrace their Mexican culture. I, if I was you better know it. I would have, you know, whatever that meant. I would be embracing that. But I'm black. I embrace that. You know, I, I can't be nothing else. Whatever you are, you should. God, this is why in my time and space on earth, you made me a black man. So I'm going to be I want to be a reflection of Jesus Christ as a black man in, the, in, in my time and space. I only got so much time. Whatever you are. That we embrace that and we embrace that in other people. We don't divide over it. We don't say, well, I'm God made me this and God made you that because we already know in Scripture you read to the end of the book, and when you look into the glimpse of heaven, what do you see? Every tribe, every tongue, every nation, every people. We all going to be in heaven together, all that are saved, right? And here's a bigger issue for me, right, with regard to race and not liking certain groups. Because the Bible says this in 1 John. If you, love, if you don't love your brother whom you can see, how can you love God whom you can't see? And so... First John indicates if you don't, you can't love people, you don't even know God. That, that, if, that if I could look at you and it's like, well, I don't love you because you don't know God because God is love. And if God is alive inside you, God will break all that mess down and you'll be able to see that this is a body, soul and spirit. This is a human being. Whatever they're, whatever they're draped in, whatever color skin they got or kind of hair they have, this is what they've been made and they're made in the image of God and God loves them. Jesus died for them. God would save them and he would use you if you would make yourself available. And so I would just want to go on record. Now, I've probably said it many times, but to us as a church, there can't be any racism in the body of Christ. We live in a world that's racist. We live in a world that has its, its issues and whatnot, but not in the body of Christ. Not among the people of God. Can't be. Doesn't, doesn't work. Doesn't line up with scripture. It puts you out of alignment with the person of God 
if you don't love everybody. And if the Bible says, here's, the Bible does tell us to have a preference for one group. You know what group it is? People of God, right? If I'm gonna have a preference, it's not to my own people as a black person. God says, if you're gonna do good, do good, do especially good to those who are of the household of faith, especially good to the family of God, especially because why? Because those are my brothers and sisters. Those are God's kids. Those are the people I'm going to heaven with. So if I'm gonna, if I'm gonna have a preference of being extra, extra, supposed to be good to everybody, but if I'm gonna put some extra juice and sauce on it, it's supposed to be to the people of God. Amen. Amen. So I would challenge you. Um, I, I was blessed this last week. There was a pastor's prayer gathering. We three days just praying for our churches, praying for just direction from vision. And we had some real good conversation. It was a very mixed up room. It was black, white, Hispanic, Asian, Native America from Alaska. I mean, just it was a mixture of, of stuff. And the, the, the common denominator in the room was we were all men that had met the Lord. And as we went and shared our stories, everybody shared, how, you know, how they came to the Lord, how God did. it. And it was like, wow, amazing the different ways that God was reaching in all these different people's lives. But we had discussions about some of the hot topics and some of the things and we were listening to each other. And I was just impressed there that, you know what, this is this has to be pleasing to the Lord. Some of the guys in that room, the only thing that we had in common was Jesus. Was different state of life, different style of life, different ages, different, different everything, but the same Jesus. And that's supposed to be enough. Um, and so I would encourage you, in particular, if you know that this is an area, maybe you were raised in this way, drop whatever you were raised with. You know, if your parents said negative things, erase that. Definitely, if you're a parent, make, make, make sure you're raising Christian kids. Love everybody, you know, love who what they are. You know, I, I want my kids to, you know, appreciate what God made them. My kids grew up around, you know, we went, we were at, we were, we were in a really, a church with a lot of whites and Hispanics. And so my girls were both, they had friends with, we call it wash and wear hair. And their friends would, you know, wear hair. They were like, my hair won't do that. I'm like, your hair ain't never going to do that, you know. <laughs> and I would try to show them, you know, you got to embrace what you can do. Your hair do some different things. And uh, BJ was little and a kid in his class would spike his hair. And he thought it was so cool. He's like, I'm like, son, you can't put enough gel to spike what you got up there. So I, I let him grow a fro. And I told him, I said, look, this, this is none of your friends can do this. You know, this, this is this is what you have. Embrace the embrace what you got that nobody else got. And he did. He grew him out a big old fro and he had his little pit, you know, and we got to embrace what we are and appreciate the, the differences in others. But as a Christian, there should just be there should be great love flowing, flow, it's flowing to us. It should be flowing through us as well to, to all kinds of people. I, I hope we can walk that out. And I do encourage you guys that as you have God gives opportunity, mingle with some people that are different from you. You know, hang out with find some believers that are not what you are and just say, let me let me chop it up. Talk with you. Let me I want to hear about your culture. I want to hear about, you know, talk with them, love on them, receive from them. God is honored in that. And so I hope that, that believe is a sign of maturity too, a sign of a healthy church where everybody as long as you love Jesus, that's the, 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 the purpose that we're focusing in on is him. You know, church is not to be a cultural thing. That's why I mean, you know, I don't really get up here and do political stuff. I don't get up here and go on a whole lot of them because it's not what it's supposed to be about. And real quickly, you could be speaking to one group and usually it'll be your group. But God wants to speak to a lot of groups. God wants to talk to everybody. God, there should be a word for everybody sitting in the room with a soul and a spirit. And, and, and eyes and ears. And so that's how we want to approach this thing. And so moving on says now in verse 14, for he himself is our peace. We read that who has made both one and he has broken down the middle wall of separation. And it's Christ that has broken down the middle wall of separation, which he's going to say in just a minute, where all the rules and regulations of the Old Testament law 
having abolished in his flesh the enmity, the, the animosity that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace. And what God says that he knocked down was all the laws. Most of us are familiar with the Ten Commandments. None of, none of us are keeping that, right? But if you were a Jew, there was over 300 laws that you were under. been listening to another edition of a transforming word with pastor bill buffington of calvary chapel inglewood thanks for tuning in the book of ephesians is full of relevant content that can be applied to us today one of the biggest themes throughout paul's new testament letter is unity we live in a culture that seems to love to disagree but the bible is very clear about seeking unity even when you disagree Of course, this isn't always easy, but unity is a big part of who God is and what he desires for you. So the next time you disagree with someone, don't see them as an enemy. See them as a brother or sister in Christ and ask the Lord to soften your heart for that person. If you're struggling with this in your life, feel free to text or call us and we'll be more happy to pray for you. Our number is 310-245-4811. Again, the number is 310-245-4811. And if you're ever in the Inglewood area, we want to meet you in person. Our service times are on Sundays at 10 a.m. and on Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you're unable to visit us in person, we stream our services online. For more information, such as directions and links to media pages, just visit calvaryinglewood.org. Again, that website was calvaryinglewood.org. Thanks for tuning in today to A Transforming Word. Next time, Pastor Bill will continue teaching through the book of Ephesians, and you won't want to miss it. So be sure to join us next time, right here on A Transforming Word.